the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. And now, here's your host, Nick Phillips. Good evening, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another edition of The Advocate. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Tonight, we're going to be talking to our favorite state rep, David Greenspan. David, thank you for joining us. No, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to be on as as always. As always. Like we said, it's been so many years. But uh, really appreciate hearing about what's going on in Columbus. What can you tell us? What's the latest thing since we talked last? Yeah, so it's actually been been an, an interesting time. We've a lot of the committees uh, have been meeting, but meeting sporadically, and um, because of two primary issues that we're working on right now, uh, the two issues being, as has been widely publicized, the uh, Ed Choice um, voucher program that's currently uh, running in Ohio, as well as the capital budget, which we are are working towards uh, a a presentation of what the bill is going to look like uh, on the capital budget. As, as we've talked about in the past, every two years, the uh, legislature through the governor's initiative has an opportunity to uh, take requests for community-based projects uh, in every community throughout the state. And uh, we have all submitted our projects. Uh, they were due um, in, in January, which um, I, I submitted 53 projects. Uh, all of which were Cuyahoga County based. I had nine um, primary projects from my district and uh, the remaining projects are various projects um, that were approached um, to address various issues throughout throughout the county. So um, each of us has submitted a number of, of projects. So if you imagine there are 99 of us now, 53 is a lot. A lot of the urban core uh, representatives and senators submit a significant amount of projects like that in our more um, suburban and rural communities there aren't that many but just say on average if each member submitted 25 projects times 99 in the house you're looking at close to 2500 projects some of which are overlapping you know i know that of my 53 i wasn't the only one to spit you know all 53 of these Mm -hmm. uh the nine district projects from the house side i was but a a number of uh, projects throughout the county were submitted by a number of us so of the 2,500, if you break it down, and even if you say that 1,500 of them are unique projects, that's, you know, unique to themselves, um, there's a lot of prioritization that needs to take place, and that's done through uh, leadership in the House, which comprises primarily the Speaker and the Finance Committee Chair. Uh, we have each met with, um, on the Republican side, with our Finance Committee Chair, and, um, and with the Democrat Caucus, they have either met with the, the finance committee chair or the ranking member on the finance committee. And um, we're waiting now to find out exactly uh, what the priority list is going to look like and how much of the money requested uh, will be coming uh, to not only our communities, but also to Cuyahoga County as an example. Uh, in the past, Cuyahoga County has received somewhere between 25 and 30 million dollars worth of worth of funding projects on a total request or a total appropriation of about 150 million and i would expect this year to be no different 
that you know Cuyahoga County is in that same range, and the total number of projects funded is about 150 million. So that's kind of where we are on the on the on the capital budget. And what's happened with the finance committee is we have not had any meetings to allow the chair and finance staff to work on the uh, capital budget. So as we've been talking in the past, uh, I've been working on the sports gaming bill, which is in finance. So um, we're we're kind of in a priority mode behind the capital budget because of some time-sensitive nature of the capital budget. Um, I also have a land bank bill that we've talked about in the past, and that bill, too, is... is um, is behind uh, in priority to the capital budget. And then in finance, uh, although late in the General Assembly, I usually don't like introducing bills this late in the General Assembly because the likelihood of getting them done, this General Assembly is, is pretty tight because we're down to about 10 months left in the General Assembly, but we're in an election year. So we're going to recess here um, for the primaries for about four weeks. Then we'll come back pretty hard through, through mid-June and then fundamentally recess until after the general election in November with about a two-week period scheduled in September. So there's not a whole lot of legislative time left. So to introduce the bill now is is uh, you've got to be pretty sure you can get it done. The uh, bill that I introduced, actually, I do believe we can get it done. It's actually a correction to something that we uh, didn't quite catch in the, in the, ca- in the, um, in the uh, transportation budget as it relates to the electric vehicle and hybrid fee that was charged to those those vehicles in order to bring up their usage of our roads to a, a an equivalency at least of, of fundamental equivalency to uh, had they been purchasing uh, gasoline or diesel fuel and what's happened is and I had a constituent call me about this and 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 he was correct if you were to purchase an, a hybrid vehicle today as an example you would pay the hundred dollar fee but if your birthday was, say, mid-March, you then on your birthday would pay that $100 fee again. And so obviously that's a problem. It's an oversight. It was not intended to work that way. Just like if you were to purchase a new vehicle, you would pay a prorated fee on the license plate uh, up until your birthday. Uh, the the transportation budget did not include that provision. So Representative Sheehy um, out of the Toledo area, he and I have introduced a bill and that bill will correct this issue. And uh, we feel pretty comfortable that we, we'll be able to get it done. Uh, we also have presented it as an amendment, and we're searching for a bill to um, to attach the amendment to, which would achieve the same thing as the bill, so we can correct this issue. It was clearly an oversight, and I believe that we'll be able to either get the bill done or minimally have the same impact by having an amendment included in another bill. So that's what's going on within the Finance Committee. Um, what I can tell you through the Education Committee, which is where I've got two bills. Um, I've got the Ohio Anti-Bullying, Anti-Hazing Act, and, and what I'll say with that is in the next uh, 10 days, we anticipate having a major announcement on that bill, um, but we have concurrence from the governor's office uh, on the hazing side and the bullying side. Right. The National Attorney Conference is in agreement on the hazing side and the organizations that represent the public schools and private schools are all neutral on the bill. And that is significant progress from where we were two years ago. And I do believe that we will be able to, with all the support, move that bill through the process rather quickly. The challenge is, is the Education Committee right now is working on the Ed Choice um, situation, which 
um, we will talk about you know later on in the show because I think it's an important and timely timely issue. The other bill that I have in education, which is of local interest, um, has, is is the Allison Rose Act, which is named after Allison Rose Suey, who was a student at Ohio University who passed away as a result of an anaphylactic reaction to peanuts. And so this is an allergy bill. Um, her father uh, is one of our fire chiefs here in Cuyahoga County and has been instrumental with his foundation, the Allison Rose Foundation, in, um, pr- make, in providing awareness and uh, resources to uh, schools to help them understand how we can better address uh, allergy awareness throughout the state of Ohio. And uh, our bill does just that. It also um, puts schools in um, contact with um, organizations and companies that provide free epinephrine uh, injectors into our schools so that we're able to provide and ensure that every school in the state has uh, an epinephrine uh, pen, at least one, mm-hmm. uh, to help with uh, the situation of dealing with, with allergies. So we're excited about these bills, but right now, um, based on the two priorities, we are waiting in line, and hopefully soon we'll be able to uh, to move these bills uh, quickly through the House and, and into the Senate. Now, a question with the Allison Rose bill, uh, just more of an education uh, business kind of question. Will the state be funding the epinephrine pens or the, the cost to implement that program? No, it is, it is, there is no cost to the state and there's no cost to the local school districts. What we're doing is Ohio Department of Education has agreed to uh, once a year compile a list of companies that provide free epinephrine, epinephrine injectors to schools. So these are existing programs that exist. And uh, there are at least two companies that that uh, we're aware of, and there may be more that offer free injectors uh, to schools. Um, the prod program has been around for a number of years, but what we believe is is through lack of awareness, only about 30% of the schools, so 70% of the schools in Ohio, do not know of this program or of these of these programs. So what we plan on doing is is an Ohio Department of Education has agreed to. Uh, once a year, put out a list to all their member schools of the uh, epinephrine, epinephrine companies that are offering free products. And uh, in addition to that, uh, they will be uh, they they the districts can, if they so choose, it's permissive, can put out uh, curriculum to their teachers uh, that they then will receive credit for their uh, continuing education requirements in the area of allergies and allergy awareness and response. So it's a great program. Um, it costs the state nothing, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to educate um, those within our school on how to uh, address the issue of allergies and and, uh, and how to deal with an emergency situation. Oh, very, very, very good. Students with, yeah. we're, we're talking to State Representative David Greenspan, giving us an update on what's going on in Columbus, Ohio. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back after these words. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on The Advocate. Don't go away. I'm Pat Lamb. Select Insurance Services is a family-run business and your personal shopper for auto, home, and business insurance. Plus, I'm Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. I think you'll agree, insurance is confusing, but at the same time, it's very important to your financial security. We believe insurance should be secured through a professional. Why? Because one wrong click in the do-it-yourself plan could cost you everything. 
Our approach stands out because we ask the right questions, listen to your personal situation, and share our knowledge to close potential coverage gaps. This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at selectinsservice.com. 440-237-8555, or selectinsservice.com. Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of the Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select Insurance for your insurance needs. More than just a dentist, Dr. Carl Hedgie provides dental treatments for occlusions, TMJ problems, and for aesthetic rehabilitation. In dental practice for over 30 years, Dr. Hedgie has provided state-of-the-art dental treatment for all of his patients. Dr. Carl Hedgie is skilled at treating and resolving complicated dental problems. Located across from the North Royalton High School, call Dr. Hedgie's office for an appointment or visit his website at drhedgie.com. That's Dr. Carl Hedgie, H-E-G-Y-I at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care. Children, the product of a married couple who were once in love. Unfortunately, sometimes the marriage does not work and parents must get divorced. This is traumatic for the children as well as for the adults. The law firm of Phillips and Millie offers advice and representation in family law matters. Remember, your children are entitled to the utmost consideration when mom and dad have to part. Phillips and Millie, your local law firm on the west side of Middleburg Heights. Telephone 440-243-2800. You didn't plan it this way. You spent your entire life being careful, protecting your body and staying healthy when the carelessness of another changes your life forever. You need to know what's expected of you to prove your claim. You further have been changed forever. Know it's up to you to make your case. The lawyers at Phillips and Millie together have over 80 years of experience. If you have a case or think you may, call the law firm of Phillips and Millie at 440-243-2800. Welcome back, Cleveland Nick Phillips, with you with another segment of The Advocate. Uh, tonight with State Representative Dave Greenspan telling us what's going on in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, Dave, thank you again for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you as always. Now, as we're talking about uh, Columbus, a, cu- a couple of things, um, a couple of short-order things maybe we can address real quick. We talked over the months yeah. about the fact that starting this summer you don't have to have a front license plate on, but law enforcement wanted some type of... Um, Identifier on the front of vehicles. Any, any progress? No, actually, it, it is. It is one of the things we're required to to come up with a recommendation in a committee that Senator McCauley and I co-chair. Uh, we have not met, and we'll we don't reconvene until April. So it's one of the items we'll pick up uh, this spring and into the summer. But uh, I would just you know just stand by for that one. But we are we are working on it. Oh, very. Good. Uh, another matter is uh, opioids. We've been watching that as a been going on and i know the legislature has been watching it how are we doing are we making any headway in uh, fighting the opioid problems and the deaths caused by it well i, I the, the deaths the death rate in ohio is down um i believe a lot of that has to do with awareness but i think also we need to give a lot of credit to the naloxone the availability of naloxone to deal with the, and reverse the uh, those who who have overdosed you know, as far as the issue itself, we recognize, and, and the legislature has been aggressive, uh, not only this this general assembly but last general assembly, in identifying funds and resources 
to um, to help combat the issue, not only from an education standpoint, from a, but more so from a treatment perspective. The governor's taken a very bold step and recognized that we need more treatment facilities, and I know that they are working on identifying programs that would help in locate those facilities so that we can assist those who need help in receiving the treatment that they need. So we are working on that, uh, and the governor's working on it as well. Deaths are down, um, but I, I think it's too soon to say that the, the addiction issue itself uh, is is working in the same direction. But we are working hard to uh, ensure that we address the issue. It's, it's a tremendous issue. It's a national issue. Some would argue it's an international issue. Uh, and we're doing, we're working towards making Ohio uh, less drug, less of a of a drug gateway, um, primarily because of the roads that, that flow through our state. There are a lot of efforts there, and we are making progress. Well, we'll check in with you from time to time to see how that's coming and see if we reach at least a more acceptable level of the problem and see some continued improvement. Uh, one other question with regard to revenues. How's the state's finances looking with regard to revenues? Yeah, revenues as a whole are, are up. Uh, they're up slightly. Um, you know, we're seeing, you know, and, and it depends on when the payroll cycles run as an example versus versus uh, sales tax revenues, you know, and how they run. Um, so, you know, one month you may see a slight decline in payroll revenue due to the fact of where the payroll cycles run, whether it's a Friday, you know, the end of the month is is, is uh, on a weekday or a weekend, which might have an impact on the reporting of that. Uh, sales tax revenue has been strong, which is good. And uh, and so our, our, our budget forecasting as far as revenue is slightly ahead of where we projected we would be. And, uh, and the state has done a good job in monitoring expenses and keeping those in check. So with that being said, you know, we are, we are operating uh, at a slight surplus, which is good. Obviously, we'd rather operate a surplus than a deficit. And uh, right now, our projections seem to be holding true. Yeah. Ah, excellent, excellent. Hey, one, one more topic is uh, yeah. this is more of an educational thing with regard to edu- educational choice. Uh, can yeah. you give us a, just a, the briefest um, sort of summary of what that's about and where are we? Yeah, yeah, be glad to. So in the so we're in the 133rd General Assembly. So in the 129th, 130th General Assembly, so six and eight years ago, there were measures passed that dealt with with ed choice with with vouchers, and there was an, an, a, a provision put in the current operating budget that triggered almost a perfect storm from happening as to identifying um, how schools shall be graded in relation to the report card. And there was a feature regarding value added, which basically demonstrates a, a, a building's ability to demonstrate increased um, educational proficiencies among its students. So what happened is, is under the EdChoice environment uh, prior to February 1st, uh, there were about, I'm going to round up, about 500 school buildings throughout the state out of just over 3,000 that were considered DRF buildings, which allowed for those students to take advantage of one of the two ed choice opportunities, being a performance-based scholar or voucher. With these three provisions that I mentioned, the 129th, 130th of this past um, operating budget, the provisions that were put in there, over 1,200 buildings fell into that category uh, of of poorly performing. Um, we re- recognized that that needed to be addressed. We put a 60-day moratorium on the enrollment um, of 
uh, individuals, new enrollment of individuals into from public schools into private schools to be able to try to address this issue. So right now there's a 60-day hold on new enrollees into the portal. Um, there are two types of EdChoice scholarships. There's an income-based scholarship, which basically says right now in Ohio, if you make less than 200% of poverty, your family income for a family of four, that's about $45,000. You will receive a 100% voucher for either $4,650 if you're K through eight or $6,000 if you're in high school that you can go to a, a, a private school of your choice. Um, that money is funded through the state. It does not impact local school districts at all. Um, there are the, there's the performance-based scholarship, which is the issue where now, where any D or F school, you're able to take that same 4650 or $6,000 to a private school of your choice. Um, this is where the issue is right now. So there, there are two schools of thought on the performance base. Uh, number one, the, the house version um, basically does away with performance-based scholarships. However, if you have a student currently in the receiving a performance-based scholarship, they will continue to receive it through when they graduate, as long as they're eligible, and a sibling of theirs would be able to continue as well. Um, the House version did away with performance-based except for those two provisions. The Senate version, which is in conference committee right now, both bills, basically has the same provision, except that if you're in the bottom percent, 20% of D schools, and F schools would still be eligible for, for performance-based scholarships. So those are the two two concepts and theories right now that are, in, in generally speaking, there's some other nuances that are currently being worked out. The uh, conference committee has met the last two nights from five in the afternoon till three in the morning, oh, uh, as oh, well as they've been meeting for two straight weeks. So it's, a, it's an issue we're focused on in the state. We need to come up with a resolution here uh, before April 1st, uh, which is the self imposed deadline that was put in place with the 60-day extension, the moratorium on new enrollees, and we're working on it now. On the um, touching real quickly on the income-based, uh, I mentioned it was 200% of poverty. In the House version, we raised that to 250% of poverty. We get 100% voucher, 100%. It's rebranded the Ohio Opportunity Scholarship. From 251 to 275, they get 75% scholarship, and from 276 to 300 a 50% scholarship. So basically, and what the intent there is, is as folks improve their income, they don't cliff vest or cliff, you know, fall off the cliff and get zero aid. So if you if you make more than $44,000 a year and you're a family of four and you make, you get a raise and you're at 46000 you go from 100% coverage to zero. We didn't think that was right. So what we did was, is we stair-stepped it that if, as you do better, you're able to participate more in, in your education and paying for your education if needed. And and 300% um, of poverty is about $65,000 a year for a family of four. So, um, and all of that is funded by the state, by the way. There is, there is no additional, no money being taken or deducted from the local districts for the income-based scholarship. So that's kind of where we are with it. Obviously, the public schools are very much in favor of it. The private schools, um, we're trying to work with them and, and try to understand exactly where there could be a common ground here. I'm not on that conference committee, um, but I'm following the issue very closely. Um, from our perspective, under the, the 500 building eligibility, none of my public schools 
fall into the performance-based category, but I do have a number of private schools in the district that, that I've been working with and talking to to understand the impact of what we can do to, to work with them. Well, it seems like a, an expansive hot topic uh, because uh, depending on who's your constituency, if it's a private school, they welcome it. If it's a public school, I guess they don't want to use the enrollment numbers. But, uh, but we'll have to see what happens. We'll be back with you uh, next month to get a further update on these and other issues. Uh, we've been talking to State Representative David Greenspan, and Dave, I'd like to thank you again for being with us tonight. Well, thank you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you so much, too. So we're going to take a short break. We'll be back after these words. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Advocate. Don't go away. I'm Pat Lamb. Select Insurance Services is a family-run business and your personal shopper for auto, home, and business insurance. Plus, I'm Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. I think you'll agree, insurance is confusing, but at the same time, it's very important to your financial security. We believe insurance should be secured through a professional. Why? Because one wrong click in the do-it-yourself plan could cost you everything. Our approach stands out because we ask the right questions, listen to your personal situation, and share our knowledge to close potential coverage gaps. This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at selectinsservice.com. 440-237-8555, or selectinsservice.com. Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of The Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select insurance for your insurance needs. More than just a dentist, Dr. Carl Hedgie provides dental treatments for occlusions, TMJ problems, and for aesthetic rehabilitation. In dental practice for over 30 years, Dr. Hedgie has provided state-of-the-art dental treatment for all of his patients. Dr. Carl Hedgie is skilled at treating and resolving complicated dental problems. Located across from the North Royalton High School, call Dr. Hedgie's office for an appointment or visit his website at drhedgie.com. That's Dr. Carl Hedgie, H-E-G-Y-I at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care. Children, the product of a married couple who were once in love. Unfortunately, sometimes the marriage does not work and parents must get divorced. This is traumatic for the children as well as for the adults. The law firm of Phillips & Millie offers advice and representation in family law matters. Remember, your children are entitled to the utmost consideration when mom and dad have to part. Phillips and Millie, your local law firm on the west side of Middleburg Heights. Telephone 440-243-2800. When you need the latest, most comprehensive news, AM 1420 is your answer. You didn't plan it this way. You spent your entire life being careful, protecting your body and staying healthy when the carelessness of another changes your life forever. You need to know what's expected of you to prove your claim. You further have been changed forever. Know it's up to you to make your case. The lawyers at Phillips and Millie together have over 80 years of experience. If you have a case or think you may, call the law firm of Phillips and Millie at 440-243-2800. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. In the next two segments, we're going to be talking about something that's near and dear to us and 
just to the right side of our hearts, and that's our stomach and uh, digestion. Uh, the idea of having difficulty digesting foods is not a fun thing and uh, can disrupt an otherwise pleasant life. Uh, with us tonight, we have Dr. Julie Gatza from Clearwater, Florida, who's going to talk to us about the absolute worst foods for digestion. Dr. Gatza, thank you for joining us tonight. Hi, thanks for having me on your show. Well, it's, it's wonderful having you here to shed some light on, on eating, uh, because um, I think we all have to do that, or else if we stop eating, we're not going to be here. So, uh, t- tell us a little, before we start getting into the details, tell us a little bit about your background and uh, your well, interest I, in, in food. Sure. I've been a uh, chiropractor for uh, almost 29 years. My husband and I started practicing uh, that many years ago, and um, what we found was digestion had pretty much a play in every single thing that we were treating in our office, from instable necks that had to keep coming back for the same adjustments, to all the digestive problems, to infertility, to asthma, and uh autoimmune disorders and when we actually corrected what was happening in the digestive system and made it more efficient that's when we really started to see a huge change in how people's health not only improved but then stayed improved and this is more than just watching your weight it's actually what you're putting into your your stomach that that's counting here it's that and it's also how efficient is your body if it's not efficient and it can't break down the food that you're putting in then it's not even how good the food is at that point it's are you actually going to get nutrition from it and we're very deficient in enzymes in this uh, country and our across the board we aren't able to break down our food adequately to get enough nutrients from it which is why we're all not feeling as good as we should yeah there, there's some comments you, you have here about uh, for example milk and how our body breaks down cow milk and dairy products what, what what's the story on that I mean, milk in general is the best food for a calf, and that calf can get all the calcium from it and all the protein from it. We do not make an enzyme in our digestive tract to break down dairy very well. On top of that, um, you know, milk used to be a food that was given to children all the time, and uh, when we were kids, we were the last people on the block that had a milkman, and uh, that milk would only last three days. We would never get a gallon of it because we couldn't drink that much that quickly. And three days it would be sour and the milkman would come again a couple few days later. So why can milk now stay in the refrigerator for two to three weeks? It's dead food. It's an irritant now to the system and it's something that actually takes nutrition to break it down. It's not giving us nutrients. Does this involve something called lactose intolerance? I mean, lactose intolerance, yes, everybody doesn't make lactose. Nobody makes lactose in their body, which is an enzyme or or lactase. And so we can't break down the lactose in the milk. So in general, across the board, most people have some sort of sensitivity to dairy products, whether they sneeze immediately and know it, or they get, you know, bloated or gassy or tired or, you know, a whole bunch of symptoms that aren't just so, you know, quote unquote, allergic symptoms. They, Mm -hmm. They manifest another way. You know, when we talk about lactose, the word it, it itself sounds like it's related to sugar. Um, if there are some milk products that are, uh, they have the lactose removed, um, and, and my qu- I've never tasted uh, you know, the difference. I never even tasted lactose-free milk. Uh, what does it taste like? Is it something people would still eat or drink? 
I have no idea, actually, and here's why. When you start to remove something like that, why have it in the first place? If you have to alter an actual basic food, then there must be something wrong with that basic food. And plus, now in these days, you've got almond milk and coconut milk and rice milk and soy milk and all those different types that you can use instead that, to me, it just, you know, go away from that and use something else for, you know, wherever you're using milk in place of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we uh, mentioned grains, uh, that we're not eating the same kind of seeds that our grandparents or parents grew up on. Um, and uh, they are now altered and GMO modified. What's the problem there? Uh, well, first off, what kind of grains did our ancestors, even a couple generations ago, what were they eating that we're not eating now? Uh, they were eating the same grains. They were just uh, seeds that actually weren't all modified, and they weren't using Roundup on the soil, oh, and they boy. were also mm-hmm. remineralizing the soil with cow manure, not just rotating crops and they were doing things that actually made food taste good, had tons of nutrition to it, and is actually very available. Well, you know, 29 years ago, we started to find out about food allergies, and no one knew what the word gluten was at the time. And we started to take a bunch of people off of dairy products and their wheat, and they did amazing. Well, now this is the most common word around, and the longer I'm doctoring, the more people I see are reacting not only to wheat but they're reacting to the other grains as well, and it's because we've altered the grains. Hmm. So we are not eating the same as when we were kids, and you know these bodies are the same bodies from 2,000 years ago, but now we're feeding them different food and expecting the same results, and you're just not going to get that. When, when we see grains or foods that are GMO-modified, and that, that's genetic changes of the, of the actual plant, uh, so what, what is that actually doing, and, and why is that a problem? Well, it, 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 whatever was made as, let's say, a grain of wheat, that wheat had its own properties that, that was nourishing to the cattle. It was nourishing to us when we would grind it down. It had all sorts of you know, beautiful micronutrients and nutrients in it, and it was something that we could digest. When you start grouping around with that type of a situation, my only thought is, I'm not just reading this and finding this out. I'm actually seeing this with my patients, that they are absolutely bloated and tired and have circles under the eyes, and their liver isn't so efficient, and their hormones are off, and they've got, you know, chub around the middle, and as soon as we take them off these grains, they start to do better. And the other thing that we also very much do is we put them on enzymes because we're not making enzymes to break down our food adequately. So I put them on something called Absorbate, which breaks down all the types of foods. So not everyone wants to eliminate all the grains and the dairy, and they don't have to, but if they are actually breaking it down the best they can by taking this enzyme, now they can have a little bit of a leeway on, you know, not having to follow this so strictly. When when someone's taking an enzyme, what would they notice? Would they notice a change in in, uh, how they digest food, or do they have less uh, indigestion or don't feel bloated or what, what would someone recognize? You, you, you notice the lack of any symptoms. So you aren't bloated. You don't have gas. You possibly you know, handle the constipation problem, the stomach aches, the uh, indigestion, um, the burping. You know, there's no normal gas. Gas simply means you, what you ate you didn't break down so the body's trying to get rid of it. So you know, it's common, but it's not normal. So when they take these enzymes, 
You know, if they're eating a large meal, I say take two or three. If you're just eating every meal, you want to get the most you can because it's the only way we're going to stay efficient. It's the only way we're going to be healthy. We can take all sorts of vitamins and such, but we want to break down our meals first and foremost. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have some information about uh, coffee, tea, and carbonated drinks. Uh, these beverages alkalize the digestive system. Then I look uh, with regard to citrus fruits, which are very acidic. Uh, so that's, that sounds like very much chemistry uh, between acids and alkalines. Mm -hmm. uh, how, how, do we balance, how do we balance that? Well, the thing about it is the citrus is fine. It's actually a wonderful thing to be eating. It's just a lot of people are eating more than they should, so they're changing how they're going to absorb. Or they're drinking a big glass of orange juice that wasn't just freshly squozed. <laughs> That's Florida. And, uh, okay. <laughs> yes. I mean, I'm from Florida, so, you know, we get the oranges, we squeeze them, and then we drink it. When you're um, getting it from the store, it's basically sugar. There's no vitamin C left. Vitamin C is a very unstable vitamin, so you're feeding yourself pure sugar thinking you're getting something from it. So in general, if you're experiencing digestive problems and you really want to, you know, sort of handle that, keep the citrus up for now and uh, your body will thank you because it's, it does change how you absorb. Well, we're going to take a short break. We're talking to Dr. Julie Gatza from Clearwater, Florida, and uh, she's with the Florida Wellness Institute, and we're talking about foods that are making life a little more difficult for us. We're going to take a short break. Uh, when we're back, we're going to uh, talk to uh, Dr. Gatz again. At this time, find out what we can do. What, what can we? Uh, her list goes on and on addressing uh, fried foods, artificial sugars, beans, nuts. Um, so we want to hear what we can do good about that. So, Doctor, uh, thank you for joining us tonight. We'll be back after this break. Don't go away. We'll be back after these words from our sponsors. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Advocate. Hi, I'm Pat Lamb. Select Insurance Services is a family-run business and your personal shopper for auto, home, and business insurance. Plus, I'm Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. I think you'll agree, insurance is confusing, but at the same time, it's very important to your financial security. We believe insurance should be secured through a professional. Why? Because one wrong click in the do-it-yourself plan could cost you everything. Our approach stands out because we ask the right questions, listen to your personal situation, and share our knowledge to close potential coverage gaps. This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at selectinsservice.com. 440-237-8555, or selectinsservice.com. Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of The Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select Insurance for your insurance more than just a dentist, Dr. Carl Hedgie provides dental treatments for occlusions, TMJ problems, and for aesthetic rehabilitation. In dental practice for over 30 years, Dr. Hedgie has provided state-of-the-art dental treatment for all of his patients. Dr. Carl Hedgie is skilled at treating and resolving complicated dental problems. Located across from the North Royalton High School, call Dr. Hedgie's office for an appointment or visit his website at drhedgie.com. That's Dr. Carl Hedgie, H-E-G-Y-I. 
at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care. Children, the product of a married couple who were once in love. Unfortunately, sometimes the marriage does not work and parents must get divorced. This is traumatic for the children as well as for the adults. The law firm of Phillips and Millie offers advice and representation in family law matters. Remember, your children are entitled to the utmost consideration when mom and dad have to part. Phillips and Millie, your local law firm on the west side of Middleburg Heights. Telephone 440-243-2800. You didn't plan it this way. You spent your entire life being careful protecting your body and staying healthy when the carelessness of another changes your life forever. You need to know what's expected of you to prove your claim. You further have been changed forever. Know it's up to you to make your case. The lawyers at Phillips and Millie together have over 80 years of experience. If you have a case or think you may, call the law firm of Phillips and Millie at 440-243-2800. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with our final segment of The Advocate for tonight. And uh, again, thank you for listening. And we're talking about being happy with food. Uh, and we're talking to Dr. Julie Gatza from Clearwater, Florida, who's associated with the Florida Wellness Institute. And uh, in the last segment, she was telling us about all the things, uh, all the bad things, about all the good stuff we eat. Uh, so, Dr. Gatza, thank you for joining us, I think. How are you? <laughs> uh, thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, what, a, well, what I meant by that... Everyone thinks of me. Well, well no, it's the thought you just told us, all the stuff we can't eat and all the problems we have with eating. All the stuff we mentioned sounded pretty good to me. So, what what do we do? Can we have chocolate cream pie with whipped cream on it or baked um, potato with butter? What, 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 how do we approach eating in a way that would improve what we're doing. Here's what I've, I've said for absolutely years, because it keeps working. If it didn't work, I would have thrown this out the window a long time ago because I just want results. But if people are eating protein first thing in the morning, not a, a bowl of cereal, not a cup of coffee and a bagel and calling it a, a breakfast, that's not, that's not food. That's just something to fill your gut. But if you eat some protein in the morning, you have protein in the afternoon, you know, some chicken, some fish, whatever it may be, um, you know, eggs, and um, you then have vegetables. If you keep your diet to protein and vegetables, you are going to feel good. Now, when you do want to go out and eat the things that we just talked about, go ahead and do it. Do it in moderation, but don't do it ignorantly wondering why you don't feel good after you've just eaten a meal. It's always because of what those those choices were during that meal and if you are going to do that which everyone is going to then make sure to take enzymes so that while you're you know eating possibly off the most perfect diet that you are not going to be affected so much by the foods you put in that isn't you know in the best quality or you don't handle very well now have you heard the term intermittent fasting oh yeah i do it often well tell us what that is because i've heard different definitions of it and and um, how does it work and why does it work? I mean, the, it, the basic thought is, you know, putting food in your body all the time basically keeps it at constant work. So when you actually take a number of hours off in between eating, it sort of resets the metabolism. It, it allows the body to burn fat 
better and, and, and get rid of the excess weight and, and give you energy. And, uh, you know, if you want to do it all the time, fine. I think it's a little um, hard to do that when you're living a life and have holidays and all that sort of thing. But intermittent fasting to me is just, it's another sort of awareness of the fact that we probably are eating too much too often and filling our guts with stuff just because we're bored or we're used to it as compared to actually eating because we need nutrition and, and food that way. Well, I've always assumed and, and uh, associated food with pleasure and uh, food being one of the last legal pleasures we can have without having to check with the police or somebody and, uh, <laughs> and sort of eat what you want. But uh, as far as intermittent fasting, it, it sort of runs contrary to the notion we have grown up with in our culture, and that is we have to have three meals a day. We have to have a breakfast. Right. Make it a good, solid breakfast. We need to have a lunch, and we need to have dinner. Um, and right. when intermittent fasting sort of uh, is contrary to that, and that oh, maybe just have one big meal and let your body rest, um, mm-hmm. how, how is that playing out? And we've only heard this last several years, haven't we, or has this been around for a long time? Right. Well, I think it works both ways. I think having three meals a day is correct. I think if you're trying to accomplish some weight loss and, you know, different energy and mix it up a bit and sort of fool your system, that's when intermittent fasting is is a brilliant idea. So it doesn't mean you always have to do it. It's just it's a good thing to sort of, you know, jumpstart the body and, and fool it a little bit and give it a new sort of way to actually react. And also it makes you aware of your choices. Because if you're only eating a certain amount in a day, you're probably not going to then sit down and consume the bag of chips. You actually will sit down and make yourself a piece of chicken or a piece of fish or a steak, and and you won't just be eating on the fly because now you're aware of it. So I like the fact that it's making people more aware of what they are putting to the system and you know how to treat the body nicer. Well, sure, at least uh, being aware. Because I th- when I think of the traditional, typical American diet, we start with breakfast, bacon, eggs, toast, butter, jam, coffee uh, with cream, orange juice, and then four hours later we have lunch, cheeseburger, fries, a Coke, and maybe a dessert, I don't know. And then dinner, meatloaf, mashed potatoes, gravy, corn, uh, and a dessert again. Uh, is there anything wrong with that diet? Yes. <laughs> is there anything right about that diet? <laughs> you know, the protein is always right, the vegetables are always right. Uh, you know, you're having a baked potato isn't the last, isn't the worst thing. But we're eating pizzas and pastas and sandwiches and bowls of cereal and calling that food. That's not food. It's just stuff that fills up your gut. There's not a whole bunch of nutritional value when you're eating a whole bunch of carbs like that. And also feeding our children that in the morning and then expecting them to, you know, be aware in school and and be, you know, uh, energetic and not, you know, be irritated by the kid next to him. It's just not uh, what I call real food. I call it unfood when you're eating food that really doesn't have a whole bunch of uh, nutrition in it so that your body actually can be more efficient and, and adequate, be healthy. Now, you know, we've been talking for, for some time now. Is there a website or somewhere, or some way people can look up and read more about what you have to say? Yeah, there's a, uh, a website called naturesources.com, and they can read about this uh, nutrient called absorbate. And then there's one called absorbate platinum, which is like the digestive enzyme on steroids. It has the ability to break down all the things that you're eating and 
get more bang for your buck every time that you are, you know, consuming food. Um, it can also go to the 1-800 number, which is 1-800-827-7656. And if they remember to use the code radio, they can ask for some free samples or they can actually get 20% off their first order. So, you know, it's kind of a no-brainer. If you want better nutrition, why not get it from the food you're eating? So thus, take this Absorbate so you actually have the ability to uh, get nutrients from from every meal that you have. Well, you're talking about enzymes. Uh, are, are those different than uh, probiotics? And if so, what's the difference and in, in what does it matter? Well, the enzymes you should be making adequately in our bodies, but our food has changed, and we're not doing that. We have stressful lives. We have different habits than we used to have. So the enzymes are actually catalysts to breaking down food. We have, The absorbate has an enzyme in it that breaks down protein. We have one in there that breaks down the fats and the, and the carbohydrates and the vegetables. It even has an enzyme in there to break down dairy products. So it's, it's full. The probiotics... Um, helps to recolonate good bacteria in your digestive system. When we've been on antibiotics, we don't just wipe out the lung infection or the earache in our children. We're wiping out all the good bacteria in our gut. And so you can have an imbalance that causes problems that way. So taking probiotics is always a smart thing, especially after antibiotic use. And then taking the enzymes gives you the ability to actually have much better nutrition that you didn't have yesterday. Well, um, yeah, that's good to get that difference. One other question I wanted to go back to in our, our last minute or so here is you mentioned GMO, uh, and that would be um, with genetic modified plants, I assume. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure, is it bad? Should we avoid GMO things, and are they properly marked in the stores, or is everything GMO now? Everything's pretty much GMO. I'm not a nut about that, trying to avoid it all and eat only organic and I just can't do that to myself, and I can't do that to my patients. So, you know, but if you do follow the rules of, you know, eating eggs and chicken and fish and, you know, meat and then vegetables, you never go wrong doing that. It's just when you start to only eat the carbohydrate-type foods and, you know, that, especially grown here in America, it is a different breed. It's not the same thing as... uh as you know, even Europe or, or Italy, they haven't altered their food so much, not like we have. Well, uh, all good advice, and uh, thank you for helping everybody out. And uh, I saw in your notes that you've uh, handled more than 25,000 patients, which is, uh, <laughs> yes. I was going to ask you, how many can you name? But uh, I wouldn't do that to you. <laughs> A lot, and I can remember what food sensitivities they have and oh my <laughs> the goodness. weird skill I have. Well, doc, Dr. Julie Gatza, thank you so much for joining us and sharing with us uh, information. And I still didn't hear anything about that chocolate cream pie we talked about. But, um, hey, just have the absorbate enzyme. If you're going to eat it, which we all are going to do that, instead of rolling around with a bellyache later or being all bloated, put in the enzyme. Then you have much more uh, leeway to be able to have then we can, really, you know, Then we can do that. Food. Then we'll have to talk yeah, to you about yeah. our weight reduction. Yeah, well, that's a whole other story. <laughs> Dr. Gatza, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, thanks for having me on your show. Nice talking with you. My pleasure, and thank you for listening. We'll be back next week, same time, same station. Good night. And I sat and watched the Zanzibar sunset, sat and drank my fresh mint tea.
with nothing to do.